2: It is 11 a.m. on a Thursday morning. It is time once again for Southern Pride Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Yesterday was Administrative Professionals Day across the globe. And so hopefully, if you were in West Central Alabama, you took care of those people that take care of you. And Peterbrook Brook Chocolatier is certainly a great place to do that. Great place to pick up a treat, chocolate treats, gelato, you name it. They got it r- ready for you at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison. And together, we combine to form the 60-bit of of Sports Talk Radio. You know what, Jacob? You know what I'm thinking about doing to the old program? I'm thinking about changing the intro music. Or do you think Women Without Whiskey has become synonymous with Southern Fried Sports to the point where... It's best left alone. What do you think about that idea, Jacob Harrison, right out the gate?
3: Got to say, I haven't been here long, Travis, and I still get calls about uh, the name of the song. I've, I've, it's a <laughs> classic around here.
2: <laughs> well, then I guess that answers the question. As long as we're getting calls about the intro song to Southern Fry Sports, which, by the way, is Women Without Whiskey by the state of Alabama's very own Drive-By Truckers, Patterson Hood, Mike Cooley co-founders of that band from up there in the Muscle Shoals area, I guess we'll keep. I guess it stays. I guess Women Without Whiskey stays as the lead-in to Southern Fries. I mean, we'd have to know
3: what the the potential options are to either add on with Women Without Whiskey or replace
2: Yeah, um, I was thinking Motherless Children. I really like the intro, the lead-in to Motherless Children, a cover by Eric Clapton from back in the 70s. I mean, it is a smoker in terms of the guitar work. So maybe give that a listen, a little homework for Jacob Harrison. He's probably, you've probably heard that one. But pull it up, and uh, we played that as a part of the Eric Clapton playlist theme uh here on the program in the past, but that would probably be the alternative for me. Motherless Children, the version done by Eric Clapton. So uh we'll stick with women without whiskey though for the time being. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook chocolatier Studio line. Now that we've got the important stuff figured out right at the top of the program, uh we got a lot of football to talk about on the show today. Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com will join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk some Alabama football with Chris Hummer. We'll talk some Miami football with Chris Hummer. Chris recently spring reviewed the Miami Hurricanes, and so we'll get an early look, perhaps still a way too early look, at Miami as it prepares to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide in the 2021 season opener over there in Atlanta, Georgia at Mercedes Benz stadium on September the 4th. So those are among the topics we'll get into with Chris. Uh, Chris has a spring review up right now, as a matter of fact, for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So the timing timing couldn't be better to check in with the professorial one, the college football professor, as we have nicknamed him here on the program. And again, kids, Nicknames only count if someone else gives you the nickname. You can't give yourself a nickname and it counts. All right. It's not valid. It's invalid if you nickname yourself. So, with Chris Hummer, college football professor sticks because, well, that's the name we gave him. 205 342 9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. Another question I have for you folks out there today, Jacob Harrison. Also, you can chime in on this if you'd like to, as well, you can start an NFL franchise in 2021 with one former Alabama player, or maybe a present Alabama player. Maybe you've seen enough of Will Anderson after one year that you say, you know what, if you're going to tell me I'm building a franchise from scratch and it's probably going to be a couple of three years anyway, Give me Will Anderson as my edge guy right now, after a year. Maybe that's the way you go. Maybe you think Julio Jones still has enough in the tank as he nears the end of an outstanding professional career that you would still go with Julio Jones. Maybe Jacob Harrison says, you know what? I'm going with one of my stillers. I'm going with Minka Fitzpatrick. Maybe maybe he bites his tongue. Maybe he swallows his pride enough and says – Look, I really don't like the Baltimore Ravens at all, but I'm going to go with an all-pro type corner in Marlon Humphrey to start my franchise in 2021. You got so many choices. I guess that's sort of the point of the exercise, Jacob Harrison. You got Julio still banging around. You got Amari Cooper still banging around. Marlon, Eddie Jackson, Jedrick Wills, if maybe you're thinking offensive tackle is who you want to start with. Tua. Tua going into his second season. Sounds like the Dolphins are convinced that he is fully recovered and ready to display the talents that we really last saw from him before the ankle injury against Tennessee in 2019. Here's a tricky one for you. Can I count Alvin Kamara? He counts as a former Alabama player, doesn't he? Can I go Kamara, Jacob Harrison? Can you check with the panel of judges there? and see if that's allowed or not, or uh, if that's the, a DQ. The,
3: the panel of judges, which consists of me and Jr., say absolutely not.
2: <laughs> so there you go. No Alvin Kamara for a guy to build a NFL team with in 2021 of former Alabama players, or at least the first pick we can take an Alabama player. Jacob, are you ready to give us your guy, or do you need a few minutes? few minutes to maybe think about that one maybe we can come back to you what do you think
3: oh i'm ready uh i will say uh i you know with the with the resident ravens fan in here with me he knows that i love marlon humphrey uh even though he has been the source of many heartbreaks uh but and even as tempting as Will Anderson was cuz let me tell you i've got the man crush on case. Will Anderson i made
2: a case for Will Anderson <laughs> i made a case for Will Anderson but, jacob.
3: but when when you're starting an NFL franchise there's one position you need and that's quarterback so i'm i'm to a tongue about Aloha
2: 100% i think we agree too much jacob i don't know what that says about your future in this business you may want to go into like insurance or something <laughs> you know seeing that that's the case it's not too late jacob Run, Jacob, run. <laughs>
3: I'm sprinting. <laughs> uh, I,
2: <laughs> I think I'd go with Tua, too. Until I see that Tua, more so health-wise, isn't back, at least to what he was before the hip injury. Because I think that's really where it's at. And also, look, he needs help. We talked about that ad nauseum throughout his rookie campaign there with a mile the Dolphins. So get him some help, assuming he truly is back to full health. And not just talking about being cleared like he was last year. I'm talking about being competitively at an elite level healthy. If that's the case, I got to see Tua fail first, right? Before I don't take Tua Tonga-Vialoa as my former or current Alabama player that I would pick to build an NFL franchise with in 2021. We're going to get into some Alabama. We're going to talk the D word on the program. You better get the... uh, you better get the dump button ready, the D word, because if Nick Saban hears us talk what? DC, as in depth chart, here on the program, uh, we might have to edit out some of that, Jacob. So just be ready, get that hand over that buzzer there, in that producer's studio, that palatial, palatial producer studio there, at one hundred point nine FM. Hey, let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolate here studio line right now. Check in with a good pal, Jeff, the Big Blue Drive Through. On a Thursday morning. Jeff, what do you got for us on the program today?
1: I just, I just was all in the You can't talk about that stuff now. That's Rat poison. I talk about it. <laughs> so you, rat you, 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 and Drew, you and Drew Jarman are going to get something about Rat poison. We can't have that. Of course, it probably takes take 10 tons of Rat poison to kill Drew because he is. He's <laughs> got 10 tons of. It. Maybe it is. But he, he, he just eats him. He 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 eats they make an egg and cheese it more before it goes to work. <clears throat> but uh, I, I just wanted to mention a you, spring football things. I didn't know, Drew, that it was required of us to have a spring game. Is that true?
2: Every school's got to have a spring game every year. Is that, is that true? Well, Florida didn't have one this year. But
1: Kentucky didn't have one neither. So I, I guess that means yeah. we're disqualified. I guess Florida's disqualified. No, you the still
2: – no, Jeff, you, you still get to – um, you still get to – uh you still get to have a football season at Kentucky oh, without yeah, a spring I, game. I, I didn't
1: know. I just yeah. want to make sure. Yeah, that, yeah that's like not that in. Said, that's not in the bylaws yet. Well, that's like that's, that's got, that guy said on Twitter about Drew Yarmouth. He, he never did play a staff of football, and he knows it all. Like I said, <laughs> so he knows it all. That
2: thing about it. So, oh he, poor
1: Drew. He, he he I hope
2: Drew. You know, I, I, well, I hope I hope Drew sends you at least a some type of residual. You know, for all the yeah, mentions yeah, you yeah. give Drew he, he, on the program, he, 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 you love he, he, he you he some to, Drew now. I mean, he, he needs
1: to do something. Yeah. But I, but I do want to say we we uh, we just lost another. We lost one of our starting receivers, torn ACL. I guess after spring practice or spring, he got hurt. And then we got one of our starting linebackers that we just—they were just one weekend. It wasn't this last weekend, but they were scrimmaging one weekend and they were warming up. in a non-contact injury. He's out for the year two. They said Cleavon Thomas.
2: Play. Clevon Thomas out with an ACL. Yeah, Thomas,
1: for, yeah, for for towards Kentucky. ACL, yeah, towards ACL, yeah. Towards A C L up. So it's kind of thin at at the uh at the procedure position. But I, I didn't want to ask y'all another thing, John, I know y'all was talking about spring football. Uh, fine ball said the other day, I I I know how much y'all love Stoops. He said that Mark Stoops, he said the other day, Mark Stoops was a Rodney Dangerfield of SEC football coaches. And, and he said too I I, I asked him to the handicap these this year. Of course he wouldn't do it. He said he said I'd be surprised. Uh, where the case is going to be at. When they go to Hoover, because I told him, it didn't make any difference. I said, Tennessee is going to be picked third in the East, no matter what they got, no matter what Tennessee's got coming back and, and everything like that. But uh, when final thing, if y'all seen, I know y'all are talking about it right now. Have y'all seen some of the changes that college basketballs want to do next year, the rules changes? Have y'all seen that?
2: Uh, I haven't seen them as much. Go ahead and hit okay. us with a couple one, of them. One, yeah. thing,
1: one thing they, they want to do, they want to go to six fouls. number one. There's I other, saw other that. I did see that. Yeah. The other thing they want to do, when, when they jump balls, they want to give it to the defense. The defense all the time. And, 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 another one they want to do is they want to reset the fouls after 10 minutes and a half. Back to zero.
2: Just over. go to quarters, Jeff. Well, Just go
1: I, to quarters I, 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 like I hate, the women I hate, do. I, I, That's all I hate, you're
2: doing and that, resetting the that. fouls at 10 minutes. Gonna,
1: yeah, well, I hate that. They're probably going to do it. But, and the other thing they want to do is I want you all to talk about this a a bit. If, you, uh, like if you're a foul – like last two, three minutes of the ball game, you can opt out, with take the foul shot, take that out of bounds. That's one thing they yeah. want to do. That's two, three mm-hmm. minutes of game. Of course, that might might have helped Alabama get UCLA. It's a clank, clank Oh, them. here he might comes. Them. Them
2: here he comes, sportful. beating up on her again. Might
1: have helped him that day. But, but uh, y'all, uh-huh. y'all hang in there and uh, have a good one. All enjoy it. Right, enjoy that spring ball. Right, enjoy that. And, 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 and don't take no rat poison. Hang
2: in there, guys. <laughs> rat poison. <laughs> you know what we didn't get to ask Jeff about? You know, he comes on here harping and demanding more respect for Mark Stoops and Kentucky football. And law and by how, look what's on my social media timeline this morning. Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you happen to see Gator Bowl rings for Kentucky football? Come on, Jeff. Rings for winning the Gator Bowl? You're going to come on here screaming and hollering about respect? It's like I told you, Jeff, and I think you took umbrage with it when I said it a week or so ago. Mark Stoops is a good football coach. Also, Mark just needs to win six, seven, eight games a year, and he can stay at Kentucky until his career is expired. Gator Bowl rings. Wow. Gator Bowl rings. Let's head to a break. We come back. More of you at 205-342-9904. When Southern Fried Sports returns on a Thursday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolates here, right here on Tide, 100.9 FM, right after this.
4: From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by SunSouth John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again everybody, I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama's Edson Ortiz was voted the Southeastern Conference Men's Tennis Scholar-Athlete of the Year for the second year in a row. Ortiz, who earned the honor via a vote by the league's coaches, also brought home the honor in 2020. He has continued to excel at the highest levels both in the classroom and on the court. Ortiz graduated with a 3.75 GPA in human performance exercise science and maintains a 4.0 GPA while pursuing a master's degree in sports hospitality. A four-year ITA scholar-athlete and member of the SEC academic honor roll. The 2020 ITA Southern Region Most Improved Senior. He is a two-year All-SEC performer.
2: I'll have more in a moment. Have you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has
3: a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop
2: by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth
3: has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide.
4: Join us Thursday afternoon for Crimson Drive on the CTSN Facebook page, streaming live at 2 p.m. Central. We'll have conversations with former Alabama quarterback and CTSN football analyst John Parker Wilson and his brother, baseball's Peyton Wilson, as well as women's basketball alum Jasmine Walker. That's Crimson Drive this afternoon at 2 p.m. Central on the CTSN Facebook page. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide today brought to you by Sun South John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sport Lawyers. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Lots
0: of sunshine this afternoon, Tuscaloosa's high 68. Tonight, not as cold as last night, clear with a low at 46. Tomorrow, partially sunny, the high at 70. Saturday, cloudy with rain and strong thunderstorms likely. Rain can be heavy at times, the high 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide!
3: County and I drive the main
2: road. We had to sort of calm Searching it down a little bit, take things down morning. a notch or twelve after that big blue drive-through with our good pal Jeff up there in North Alabama. Little I late great Glenn Campbell born on this day in 1936. I you know we got some rhinestone cowboy coming at you. You know that's coming. Maybe some Southern Nights. And oh, yes. Glenn Campbell. Wrote a lot of great ones. Sang a lot of great ones. Glenn Campbell. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Brook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, we'd love to hear from you. Jr. offering a production assist to Jacob Harrison today. So basically, what you got today on the program... When it comes to production expertise, it's like Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian all over again between Jacob and Jr. And I think JR has a pick, has a pick for our one past or present Alabama player to build an NFL team with in twenty twenty one. And I want JR's offering Right now, right this minute at eleven twenty Central Time. I got
4: you. No time to think. What I came up with was Najee Harris. I love his comparability to um, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, at least the best parts of Le'Veon Bell's career. I think he could have an extended version of that, or even more.
2: Maybe a Marshawn Lynch, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Bell hybrid. You could have. And Najee Harris. Yeah, that'll work. I like the versatility there. If I were going to take a running back, Najee, with that ability out of the backfield, that good size, projects as a guy that in terms of longevity, uh, the concern you have with Najee is when he does lose a step, it's going to be underscored. Because he's not going into the league as sort of a four-three-four-four guy like Travis Etienne, but I like Najee Harris. I like the pick there, especially since I can't have Alvin Kamara. I tried to be cute and clever with Alvin Kamara as a former Alabama player, but that panel of judges there—that two-person panel—shot me down pretty quickly right out the gates of the program today. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. Hey, it was a nice win for Alabama softball at Rhodes Stadium last night, right? Get a W before continuing non-conference play into the weekend. Patrick Murphy's Club now at 34-7. and Six-three winners over the visitors from Hattiesburg, USM in town last night at the Rhodes House. Good to see some production from some reserves and or the bottom of the order. Maddie Morgan came through last night for you. Uh, you know, you you got some good stuff out to Abby door off the bench last night with some production in the lineup. Uh, cat grill had an RBI at the bottom of the lineup. Savannah Woodard, uh, down there and the seven hole did some good stuff. Six hole, I guess, but the bottom of the lineup five through nine, you got some good production last night. You're going to need to continue that because, as you saw again last night, good pitches to hit are going to be few and far between for Bailey Hemphill. Two more walks last night. Kaylee Tow with a nice night. Two for four, a couple of runs scored. So, Alabama softball looking forward to hosting Louisiana. Again, don't call them Louisiana Lafayette. Those people down there don't like that real good. But Louisiana in town for a couple of games This weekend on Saturday and Sunday. 205-342-9904. Hey, we promised to maybe touch on the D word, the DC word, depth chart words on the program. Because you're seeing a lot of that on your social media timelines following spring drills at the capstone. And kind of difficult on the offensive side of the ball because... You're still going to have some competitions that you anticipate going into fall camp with an emphasis more so on wide receiver from a rotation perspective. Yes, you expect John Mechie to be right there at the top of that. Slade Bolden, you expect to be right there uh, in the slot. Can also play some other spots that helps him at wide receiver. But Javon Baker, Trayshawn Holden, Ajay Hall. Xavier Williams, how that shakes out more so, probably three through five is what you're going to have your eyes on. And then that offensive line. Sure, you expect Evan Neal to be your starter at left tackle, Chris Owens, your starter at center, envisioning Emil Echior back at right guard. But you went through spring drills working with some different guys at right tackle, at left guard, Javion Cohen at left guard. Uh, You got some security there, a sense of comfort in knowing Kendall Randolph if it comes down to it, and you're not quite ready to go big picture at right tackle entirely with one of those young guys and say Tommy Brockermeyer or J.C. Latham. You can can get by, I think, with Kendall Randolph. Kendall Randolph's not going to be one of these first-round guys at right tackle, but there's a level of trust there. And that's, again, that's the comfort you have with a six-year guy at center and then a guy in Kendall Randolph. You could use it a couple of spots. I think Tommy Brown right now probably has the inside track at that guard position opposite Emil Ekior. But I like what I saw at Javion Cohen. It was a limited sort of sample size on Saturday working with that first group at left guard. But uh, that's a young dude that can help you can help you at guard, or he could also be in play at right tackle. So there's some moving pieces very much in play, and you're waiting on the developmental process to work its way out with a couple of those newcomers at the tackle position as well. And Pierce Quick is a guy that just hasn't been available, really dating back to last season. If Pierce Quick had managed to stay healthy and stayed on the track that you anticipated for him, from a developmental perspective, I could envision Pierce Quick easily being a starter at one of those guard positions. You can't do that right now. So we'll see you know, what type of progress he's able to make over the summer months as well. Running back, the committee approach looks to be very much in play. You were very encouraged by what you saw from Roydell Williams, Jace McClellan on Saturday, what you heard about those guys really throughout the spring. Understanding Brian Robinson wasn't available on Saturday. Trey Sanders still trying to get back to his previous form. Really going back to IMG at this point. Because he was just starting to get to where you thought he felt good about his progress. Coming back from the first injury that he sustained early on in his time at Alabama. And then he gets into the car accident. Pretty severe injuries. Trying to work back from that. And tight end position. Cameron Latu, we're going to talk about him with Chris Hummer coming up in just a little bit. Very positive buzz about Latu going into spring practice. That was validated over the course of those 15 workouts. And he showed you again on A-Day that they don't have to be one-dimensional in their passing game with the tight end position. They've got a guy to go along with little Billingsley. Now, slow down a little bit. I think there's some people out there that can envision right now Alabama having 240 catch tight ends, 80 catches for the tight ends this year. Everybody loves the tight end. Everybody throw it to the tight end guy. You know, how many times do you hear from him when you go to a ball game? Well, at least a couple times a game, right? I don't think it's going to be to that extent, but. You know, if you do put too much emphasis on Jalil Billingsley and Alabama does, in fact, employ more 12 personnel, which incorporates two tight ends with a back, well, I think what Latou has done, even if it was just a spring game, he put on tape that when they are in two tight end sets, uh, he is a guy that can, can do some damage of his own. We'll get into the defensive side of the ball, hopefully here a little bit later in the program as well. First, though, a break and then... Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Thursday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right after this. You're listening to Southern
0: Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer. on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. <laughs>
3: the game and nice guys get washed away like the snow and the rain there's been a
2: promised on Glenn's birthday. Glenn Campbell, of course, some rhinestone cowboy for you and seems appropriate because we're going to head out to the state of Texas right now. Chicken with our good pal covers college football on the national level for us at 24 sports.com. The one, the only Chris Hummer and Chris, I guess uh, Sart going to put that First Texas team on display in full this weekend out in Austin. Is that correct?
5: Games happening around here. Uh, It's the biggest event of the year outside of the actual football games themselves. I know a lot of people are looking forward to it.
2: Is it big enough that Matthew McConaughey himself will show up? Is it that big? Really, Chris?
5: (laughs) You know, I have not been able to confirm or deny that Matthew McConaughey will be there, but he he likes to be seen on the sidelines of Texas football. I can't imagine he'd miss that opportunity as the minister of culture.
2: Does Sark have his quarterback figured out yet, you think, or is that kind of to be continued?
5: I think that'll go through the fall. Um, there are two guys, uh, Casey Thompson, who a lot of people saw in the Alamo Bowl, uh, have a historically good and performance in a very short amount of time. And Hudson Card, who is a local quarterback around here, he was a pretty elite prospect coming out of high school, um, quietly had a really strong freshman season, according to people kind of on the old staff. And those two are kind of going at it this spring. And I think, I think that won't be at least publicly settled until well into fall camp.
2: Let's talk some review for Alabama football from the spring. I know you and Charlie Potter, my colleague there at BamaOnline.com, collaborated on a review piece that you can find both at 247sports.com and, of course, right there with us at BamaOnline.com. In doing that piece, what stood out to you? Was it maybe the emergence of Cameron Latou at the tight end position uh, was it Bryce Young? Was it another area of this football team? Where were you Moby most intrigued or had your interest peaked the most coming out of that work with Charlie?
5: Yeah, I think for Alabama, and perhaps I'm biased here, but I always look at the receivers. I think Alabama's been a big reason. College football's transitioned this way, wide receivers are the ultimate kind of currency right now, in my opinion. I mean, you have to have a great quarterback. There's no question about that. But what separates the good teams from the great teams is skill on the outside. Um, I think the teams with the two best wide receiver rooms in the country last year played in the national championship that was Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, you also had Clemson there with a great wide receiver room itself. But I think Ohio State and Alabama were at the forefront of that. I think Alabama won because it had much better quarterback play. Uh, Ohio State needs to figure that out this offseason, but that's a different story. Um, and while Alabama seems to reload at that position every year, they've lost four first-round picks, eventually, um, in the last two years. And what Alabama can put around John Mechie, who missed all of string ball, I think is the most fascinating story, not only for Alabama, but it's one of the most fascinating stories in the country.
2: Speaking of receivers, I know you recently uh, produced a piece uh, very recently on the slot receiver position and its emergence in college football. Chris, is this more the trickle down effect maybe from the NFL or I mean, we've seen the college game impact the NFL offensively here in recent years in some ways too. Um, or is it simply a, a matter of maybe offensive coaches figuring out, you know what if we move our number one guy inside at least occasionally, we can get him matched up on a third corner or a safety in that nickel package. Uh, where, where did this kind of start, and, and why did it become as popular as it's become?
5: Yeah, I think it's happening for a number of reasons, and it's been happening more and more year over year. And I think Devontae Smith's a great example of that. He wasn't a slot receiver for Alabama last year, but he did line up in the slot I think like 36% of the time. And he by a pretty significant degree than anywhere else in the field last year. Not that he wasn't effective elsewhere, but he was just dominant there. I think he averaged 5.64 yards per route run in the slot last year compared to 4.39 overall. So for every time he lined up in the slot, he essentially averaged one more yard um, per route run, which is a pretty staggering number when you consider how effective he was last year. And we're seeing that everywhere. As you said, like there are just mismatches created all over the field. I talked to Traylon Burks uh, from Arkansas, who I think when we talk about the NFL draft next year, will be in consideration as a first round pick. Um, he's exclusively a slot receiver. He's also six foot three, 225 pounds. So he's not really what you think of a traditional slot receiver. But the definition of that kind of role has changed. It's no longer the Wells Welker type. A lot of times, especially in this RPO era, teams are looking for kind of a bigger body that can kind of flash in tighter windows for quarterbacks as they're making those quicker throws or their reads and kind of zone coverages. Um, plus, like, as you said, there's just mismatches to be found. Kyle Pitts and Devonte Smith were the two best receivers in college football last year, regardless of position. And when they were in the slot and they could occasionally line up on maybe a slower nickelback or a very slow linebacker, they were untouchable. Um, That was not an automatic touchdown, but it was at least pretty close to an automatic first down. I think the first down rate on those throws for those two players was something close to 70% last year. So when you can put your best player in the spot and create a mismatch, especially in this era of 11 personnel uh, where you're not really kind of crowding the space with the second receiver, like you would in 10 inside. There's just, there's so many things offenses can do with that. And it just creates versatility both for the receiver and the offense itself.
2: It just makes you think we might be getting closer because of those mismatches, Chris. Where defensive coordinators just say our best corner is going with that team's best receiver, whether he lines up outside at the X or the Z, or if he's inside at the Y in the slot. We're going to just start traveling our best corner more with these these receivers that, that as we just talked about, there are just so many mismatches that they're able to get you think we're maybe progressing i know there's you know some some sacrifices you have to make schematically and it's also even from 12 personnel now because of the kind of guys in 12 personnel with an emphasis on the two with the tight ends you know they can get you in mismatches with Jalil billingsley you know you you think you can put a safety on a tight end but then you get a kyle pitts or you get a Jalil billingsley um how do you think defenses or how are they sort of answering to, to that situation so far?
5: Well, honestly, especially in college with the way the rules are kind of with the hash marks and everything and how wide the field is, um, yeah. a lot of times colleges are, I think Nick Saban's talked a little bit about this. It's become a red zone game almost completely. When the field shrinks, you obviously have a much better chance of containing somebody in the spot or somebody anywhere. And I think it's about survival more than anything. But when you're talking specifically about slowing kind of a slot receiver down when those kind of elite receivers are being flexed inside, I think traveling a corner, um, is a solution, but even that has its kind of issues because like there are elite corners, like Derek Stingley, for example, is an elite corner. You can travel no problem, but sometimes like cornerbacks are on the outside for a reason. It takes a really special and kind of dynamic kind of fluid athlete to play in the slot um your hips have to be really loose you have to be really quick you have to be physical enough to play a lot of press because that's often required that position and some of the bigger outside cornerbacks just aren't that fluid um so it's a very rare player to play in there but i think it's sometimes maybe a matter of chipping the receiver off the line uh maybe flashing an extra safety down to help like there's no real easy answer and i think you're seeing kind of Offensive coordinators abuse that over and over and over again. And it's not just the slot. I, I think what happened last year, and it's going to continue to happen a lot, is we saw the best coordinators kind of pick on matchups time to time. Um, we saw it a lot mm-hmm. with Pitts and Kadarius Coney with Dan Mullen. Steve Sarkeesian did it quite a bit where he would kind of isolate a certain defender and go at him. Um, we saw Lane Kiffin do it all the time uh, last year. Lane Kiffin's as good as anybody in the country at doing that. And that's just going to become the norm. Like uh, Offenses are going to pick on one particular player, and when they get that matchup, they're going to go to it. And many times it is that kind of elite playmaker in the slot or lined up kind of in line as an elite tight end, which we saw a lot with Cal Pitt.
2: Yeah, the slot fade in the last five years has been the most devastatingly effective play in probably all of college football. You just get your number one guy inside matched up against a star defensive back or a nickel, however you want to call it. And if you get man coverage in those situations, just incredibly tough to defend. And I'll go back to the SEC championship game, Chris, which I know you paid great attention to. I thought Brian Branch and Malachi Moore played their tails off against Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney. And it still didn't matter at times. And they were in great position. You can be in good shape, and then you've got a 6'6 dude like Kyle Pitts going up and winning 50-50 balls, and you can't run stride for stride with Kadarius Tony. That may have been the biggest inside matchups I've seen. I don't know about you, in college football, maybe ever with Tony and Pitts there when they when they worked them both inside like that.
5: Yeah, I feel like, I feel like a lot of the focus for Florida this year in terms of reloading is going to be Kyle Trash but the way Dan Mullen schemes for Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony was borderline unfair when you consider yeah. their skill sets. Yeah. It was like, it's, it's dirty and Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle when he was healthy, were kind of the same way uh, when they ended up on side, like they're just so quick and Devonte, especially his arms are so long. He's got such good body control. He's got such strong hands. Like when you put him in a 50, 50 situation, he's going to win it 80% of the time. And, like that slot position and some of the matchups you can create with those star and nickel cornerbacks, like, even if it's close, like the receiver's gonna win most of the time. Like that's just what they're gonna do. And it's it's a really difficult thing for defense to defend. And I I think we're only gonna see more and more of it in college football in terms of the slot kind of advantage the advantages you can take by lining up your best kind of guy in the slot more often. And it's just like it's a really difficult and impossible thing to defend. It really is.
2: As we let you out of here, want to get into some Miami Hurricanes with you because I know like you've done with Alabama uh, today at 247sports.com and BamaOnline.com, reviewing the Alabama Crimson Tides run through spring drills. You did the same here recently with Miami with some help from the U's, David Lake. Um, and, and quarterback, certainly, with De'Aaron King and that ACL Uh, He sustained in the bowl game and trying to get him back for that season opener against Alabama on September the 4th. If he isn't able to go or he isn't all the way back, who's the next guy up at quarterback? Because I know that portal was hot down in Coral Gables with a couple of guys
5: moving on. Yeah. Jaron Williams and Nikozi Perry, both of whom are probably going to start for Florida schools next year. Um, Jaron Williams at South Florida and Nikosi Perry, who hasn't officially transferred to FAU, but looks very likely to, um, might well be the starter there. So they lost a lot of talent in that room, but they brought in Jake Garcia, um, who competed with Tyler Van Dyke. Jake Garcia was a top 50 prospect in this class. Quite famously moved from California to Georgia to play high school football. Uh, His parents got divorced uh, to make it happen during his senior season. I think they're back together, so that's nice. But Jake Garcia uh, was really good. Uh, during spring ball uh, based on all kind of all reviews and things I've heard. Uh, David Lake said much the same. Um, I think if it came down to it. It would be a big issue uh, for Miami if Derek King wasn't ready to go. Jake Garcia and we, Alabama is not what you want, but I think Jake would be the guy. And I think Jake is kind of the guy they envision is the future there. Um, and it's a big thing for Miami to have um, a capable kind of successor on campus. Um, since Brad Kyle left, I think after the 2017 season, Miami really struggled to find an answer there. And with a guy like Jake Garcia kind of in the fold for the future, like I think Miami's feeling really good as it builds forward. Um, But as you look towards uh, week one, I think uh, Miami should probably be a little more concerned with kind of how that linebacker group is coming together and especially the interior of that defensive line. If it has a chance to kind of compete with Alabama
2: and a breakout player, For Miami that you have here A former Oklahoma Sooner Who actually back in 2018 in that Orange Bowl Matchup against the Crimson Tide Had a pretty solid showing Against Alabama three catches 74 yards and a touchdown Sounds like Charleston Rambo Is checking in down there And will be expected to deliver At least on par with what A number one would provide if he isn't Even you know a clear cut Number one in that rotation
5: yeah, it's crazy for how for how good D.R. King was last year and he was brilliant. Like he was everything as advertised. He was exactly what Miami needed. Like he didn't get a lot of help outside of um, kind of Mark Harley, who was their slot receiver, and Brevin Jordan, who was not really healthy a lot last year. Uh, their kind of star tight end. Like their receivers were close to the national lead and drops. Like he just they were ineffective, like a lot of the elite recruits and kinda of live up to that profile. So Miami going out and adding Charleston Rambo, um, I think is a really underrated offseason move. He gives um, Derek King kind of a second option next to Mike Harley um, as a go to threat on the outside and Charleston Rambo, who kind of like had a home season for Oklahoma last year. It was kind of weird to see Marvin Mims really kind of broke out as the star as a wide receiver there. We kind of thought Charleston would be the next guy up after CD lamb left, but I think a change of scenery for Charleston Rambo is going to be really good. And he is exactly what Miami needed, um, kind of a second dynamic threat for Garrett King to deliver the ball to. And if he can kind of live up to his kind of spring expectations, Miami's going to be really dangerous offensively.
2: You note here some big questions for Miami at the linebacker position. I guess it will help that they have a guy like Nesta Jade Silvera coming back at that defensive tackle position. He looks to be a real handful in the middle of that defensive line. And looks like that secondary with Al Blades Jr. And they get Tyreek. Is it Stevenson that came in from Georgia? Uh, looks like they have a chance to be pretty good on the back end as well.
5: Yeah, Miami should be pretty good in the secondary. They also have Bubba Bolden back at safety, who I think mm-hmm. is an all-American candidate. So that should be fine. Miami is probably going to reset at defensive end. Not easy to do, um, but they kind of reload at that position after losing probably a pair of day one and two picks uh, this year along with Gregory Rousseau, who's also going to be a day one or two pick who opted out last year. But I think that linebacker group, which had been a strength for a really long time, um, Shaquille Quarterman, Michael Pickney, and Zach McLeod were true freshman starters together, I believe, in, I want to say 2015, 2016. Um, They manned that position for a long time, but all three of those guys are moving on. Um, Zach McLeod's actually a defensive end for Miami now. Um, And that group doesn't really have an answer right now. Um, Corey Flagg, was a freshman from Texas uh, North Shore guy uh was on the same high school team as Zach Evans which I think a lot of Alabama fans probably remember uh at least during that saga um he's probably going to be their middle linebacker he was okay last year but they don't have a lot of like proven answers at that position right now and I know you mentioned Nesta Silvera but um defensively on in the interior I think Miami would also like to get a little bit better inside um kind of it was a little inconsistent last year at times so unless those positions are uh, Miami really needs those two positions to kind of take a step forward if it hopes to kind of accomplish its goals next year which are going to be going through both Alabama and Clemson at points in the schedule which is uh which is as difficult as it gets
2: Tennessee transfer DeAndre Johnson coming in as a edge option for the Hurricanes via the transfer portal as well Manny Diaz and uh Manny Diaz, he's not a, he's not a, 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 an opponent of that transfer portal. He'll, he'll get in there uh, like Dan Mullen, you know, that type of prolificity. So uh, we'll see how that goes for Miami as well. Hey, Chris, as always, we appreciate the time, my man. Always great stuff there at 247sports.com. Again, spring review for the Alabama Crimson Tide is up right now. Thanks to Chris Hummer at 247sports.com. We also have it at BamaOnline.com as well. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks so much. There he goes, Chris Hummer. If you haven't already, give him a follow on Twitter, at Chris underscore Hummer, H-U-M-M-E-R. Back with more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide, 100.9 FM, right after this
0: tide 100.9 tuscaloosa weather lots of sunshine this afternoon tuscaloosa's high 68 tonight not as cold as last night clear with a low at 46 tomorrow partially sunny the high at 70 saturday cloudy with rain and strong thunderstorms likely rain can be heavy at times the high 75 i'm james span on the abc 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 it's 62 degrees in tuscaloosa
2: Right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Thanks again to Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com. Gave you a little Alabama talk. Gave you a little Miami talk. We talked slot receivers in depth. And the offense just dictates to the defense in football. Usually the defense comes up with an answer, but they still haven't. In most instances... For these mismatches on the inside, tough to deal with. Like we talked about with Chris, I thought Brian Branch and Malachi Moore played pretty good. But I mean, you're talking about Kadarius Toney and Kyle Pitts trying to deal with those two guys on the inside in man to man coverage. And you're a true freshman. Yeah, it's going to be tough. 205-342-9904 is the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board in the final few moments of today's program, speaking of Brian Branch and Malachi Moore, we were going to get into some defensive talk here late in the program. Defensive front for Alabama, interesting to me, because I think they've reached a point heading into year two under the tutelage of Freddie Roach. Kind of a big story just to be going into a second straight season with the same defensive line coach after all the turnover you had at that spot over a stretch of, what, four or five years? But you not only have your defensive line coach coming back, you've got a lot of personnel coming back. Yes, Christian Barmore moves on to the National Football League, but DJ Dale, double-digit starts in his career over the last couple of seasons. Tim Smith emerging as a legitimate Dominant, potentially dominant interior option in his own right. The base defensive end positions for Mathis, ton of football under his belt. LeBron Ray, you'd love to see him stay healthy. Justin Aboigby, Byron Young. So what we're saying there is we just gave you what? Six guys. And I think with those six guys, regardless of score in the game, regardless of time in the game, field position, any of those things, you're going to feel comfortable with some combination of those six guys on the field together. Jabril Burroughs is coming on as a second-year player as well. Linebacker, Will Anderson, Christopher Allen, Qu- King Wakuda, Drew Sanders, Chris Braswell. You know what I'm saying about the depth. they at outside linebacker. Inside linebacker, the same thing. You're back to sort of that 2016-2017 level with linebacker depth, both inside and outside. And Christian Harris is an All-American, certainly an All-American candidate. And with the way Jalen Moody performed on Saturday in the spring game, you know, you you didn't feel like you missed a whole lot. Deontay Lawson, you didn't feel like you missed a whole lot with the way the true freshman performed there with the first team defense. But Shane Lee's going to be back. Des Moines Kennedy coming along at Mike. Our weak side probably more with Des Moines. Jackson Bratton, another guy for the future. You're bringing in Kendrick Blackshire from the high school ranks. You got Dallas Turner, a five-star, coming in on the outside. So, yeah, that front seven, I think you feel pretty good about it. We went in depth yesterday with the corners, kind of how we thought that might play out opposite Josh Job, Jacob and I in agreement. Again, That's scary for Jacob's career path when that happens too much. But Jalen Armour Davis kind of looking like the guy right now opposite Josh Joe, but that competition's going to continue to go on as well. Safety Jordan battle, DeMarco Ellums really emerging. You might have a top three safety tandem in all of college football when it's all said and done between Ellums and battle and your sub package guys, battle and branch. You're in great shape. Good shape on the defensive side of the ball. Roster wide, really. Got to sort out some things on that offensive line. Get that figured out. Get that wide receiver rotation figured out a little bit. That's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fries Forge. The lunch whistle today. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. It is ladies' night, and the feeling is always right at Heat Pizza Bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Frank and the crew down there do an outstanding job very best pizza you'll put in your mouth anywhere, Heat Pizza Bar. Until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.